Welcome to this Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, which is the second part of the two colour management podcasts. Last week I discussed uh, monitor calibration. You don't really need to listen to both of these episodes uh, to benefit from either of them. Uh, But if you didn't catch last week's episode and you're interested in the tools and steps uh, that I use to perform my own monitor calibration, it might be better to listen to that first and then come back to this. Before we get into the main topic for today, I'd like to briefly mention that last week uh, I said I didn't know of a way to calibrate the second monitor on a Windows multi-monitor setup, but Thomas Wangen uh, from Norway mailed me to say that uh, I, it should be possible uh, to select a second profile by uh, starting the profile chooser that's installed with Spider 2 Pro, uh, and then I should be able to see this on both monitors and in turn be able to select a profile for each monitor. I reckon it's something to do with my video card. It's a good video card, um, but I don't get this. But obviously, Thomas is seeing this, so if you do have multi-monitors and you're using Windows, I'd say there's a good chance that you will be able to do this. Anyway, yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's some good advice, so thanks very much, Thomas, for that and hopefully it will be useful uh, for the other listeners. There's actually one other thing that we should touch on before we move on to today's main topic as well, and that is that I always use Adobe RGB uh, in my as my working colour space. I set my Canon digital SLR to record images in Adobe RGB, and therefore I ensure that I continue to use that colour space in Photoshop. To do this, from the Edit menu, select Color Settings, and in the Working Spaces section, set the RGB pull-down to Adobe RGB uh, 1998. I use Adobe RGB as it has a wider gamut, which means it it basically is capable of mapping more colors than sRGB, uh, which is the standard or the basic color space that PCs use. One thing to note is that although some monitors will display Adobe RGB colors, most will only display sRGB. This means that, uh, hypothetically, if you were to never print your images, uh, you know, say that you know your images will will never be viewed on anything in any other format other than on an uh, sRGB monitor, then you don't really need to worry about this. However, using Adobe RGB will provide you with better colors when printing, And as you probably can't say with any real certainty that you will uh, only ever view your images on an sRGB monitor, uh, you know, I'm talking maybe 10 years' time, 50 years' time, you know, your your grandkids might be looking at the photos that you're taking now. You know, I think we should give them the best chance to be able to use the image at, at its best by at least selecting what the best settings that we can for now. So it's probably a safer bet if you use Adobe RGB as well. When I'm editing older issues that were shot in sRGB, I usually leave the color space as sRGB. Uh, But if I'm going to alter the brightness, saturation, etc., pretty much anything that will change the appearance of the image, I convert it to Adobe RGB. 
Note that for viewing on the web as well, it's better to convert to sRGB. Uh, as as far as I know, web browsers are not um, likely to understand how to display the image if it's using Adobe RGB. So the colors may well be misrepresented on the screen. Uh, this will probably end up in them looking a little less saturated than they sh- than they actually are. There are other color spaces as well, uh, such as CMYK, which is basically uh, the color space that is used by some professional printers. Uh, but unless you intend to send the digital files to this kind of service, you don't really need to worry about that. There are also some even wider color spaces uh, that are available, but currently the widest color space that Canon cameras will create is Adobe RGB, so I reckon this is enough. So now that we're using a a calibrated monitor and the Adobe RGB color space in Photoshop, we're ready to print. I use a printer capable of printing up to 13 by 19 inch prints, which is the A3 plus paper size. My printer is an Epson and it's called a PM4000PX here in Japan. I believe this is known as the Stylus Photo 2200 in the US uh, and other parts of the world. As much as I love Canon gear, uh, I have never really used anything other than uh, Epson printers. I hear that Canon printers are very good now, uh, but I still use Epson. When you install your printer driver after buying your printer, there is going to be a set of standard profiles that gets installed to your system. And using these when printing to Epson papers should produce great results. However, when buying a photo paper that's made by a maker other than Epson, I check to see if there are downloadable profiles for that particular paper and printer combination. For example, I extensively use Pictorico papers and I downloaded the profiles for my printer uh, for each of these papers and installed it onto my computer so that I can select the necessary profile each time I print. There are usually instructions with the profiles or online with regards to how to install them, uh, but basically you copy them to the Windows System32 spool drivers color directory on a Windows XP system or the library color sync profiles directory on a Mac, I believe. Last week I mailed the Pictorico support site to actually get the link for the profiles for English-speaking users, uh, and I found that they actually no longer produce ICC profiles for their papers uh, due to the maintenance cost. They suggested that you can have profiles made at www.colormanagement.com for under $100. The color management site also has lots of information on color management, so it might be worth checking out even if you aren't looking to get a color profile made. If you don't mind fighting the Japanese screens, though, you can still download the profiles uh, for a number of Pictorico papers and printer combinations from the J- uh, Japan site. I'll include both the color management site and the Pictorico Japan's profile page in the show notes. You can also buy devices similar to the monitor calibration tool that I talked about in episode 20 to profile the output of your printer to any paper and create a profile for it. Originally, I gave up on this idea as I was advised by the guy at one of the photographic equipment stores that I frequent here in Tokyo uh, that this will be no better than the profiles 
that you can download from the paper manufacturer. I'll probably need to reconsider this decision now, though, uh, if the general trend is going to be for the paper manufacturers to stop making profiles available for download. I guess I'll have to wait and see if this does become the general trend, though. The thing is, uh, you need a profile for every paper that you print to, so you know it might end up just being becoming cheaper to invest in a printer calibration tool. I really don't want to go this way though for now especially uh you know because every time you you want to do this every time you want to calibrate or create a profile for a certain type of paper you have to print out the image or a test image well the the image that they supply I guess and then you have to wait for the paper to dry and read it in and then make the make the changes it's probably going to be a pretty long-winded process I'd much prefer to have them free downloaded. If that's not going to be possible, then I guess the $100 for one paper might not be such a bad uh, a bad thing. So moving on. Although you will be doing various modifications uh, to your image after loading it to Photoshop, uh, and I won't go into this today, do note that it's always advisable to sharpen your images specifically for printing once you've completed all of your changes, uh, as ink bleeds in various degrees depending on the type of paper you use, but it will bleed to a certain extent. I use a Photoshop plugin called PhotoKit Sharpener from Pixel Genius that I also mentioned in episode 12 of this podcast on my digital workflow. I'll add a link to the Pixel Genius website again uh, to the show notes for this episode for your convenience. From PhotoKit Sharpener, I select the Output Sharpener, and from there you can select the uh, degree of sharpening to apply based on the DPI or dots per inch of your image and the target paper type, uh, the options for which are gloss and matte. Once I've sharpened for printing... I usually make a copy of the file uh, with the details of the options I applied appended to the file name. This is so that I can come back to this same file later to create exactly the same print. And it also gives me a reference point uh, to fine-tune the process. If you find that it, you know, maybe it wasn't as sharp as you'd hoped, uh, you can go back to the previous, you know, see exactly the amount of sharpness that you applied before, uh, and then increase it a little uh, the next time. Note here too that you can actually use uh, Photoshop to soft proof uh, your images before going on to actually printing a hard copy. This will give you a good idea of what the image will look like when printed to any paper type with your printer. When used, Photoshop will only show you the colors on the screen uh, that your printer can reproduce. To do this, select Proof Setup, uh, then Custom from the View menu. And then under Proof Conditions, select your device to simulate, or in other words, the ICC profile uh, for your printer or for the paper that you're going to use uh, with that printer. This will show you on screen pretty much exactly what you will see when you actually print. There's a preview um, checkbox there as well, so you can take that on and off to to actually see the diff- the difference between how how it will be printed and the original. I don't use this function all that often as I'm pretty confident that I can get good results by just going straight ahead uh, and printing. One of the very useful purposes for soft proofing though in my workflow 
is when I have a choice of which paper to print on. When I'm making an original print for an order, I, I can't choose, as the customer has already chosen. Also, for consistency, I always print my portfolio images on Pictorico velvety paper. So again, I don't have a choice here, although this is self-imposed. Anyway, if I'm not bound by any of these restrictions, I sometimes soft-proof to see which type of paper an image will look best on. Take a look at this for yourself. You'll probably be surprised by the difference between the various profiles. So again, moving on. Uh, now that we've got a sharpened file that we want to print, I'll tell you how I go about actually creating the print. I always print from Photoshop, uh, mainly because it allows me to select the exact size of the image on the paper and allows me to select the printer paper profiles mentioned earlier. I start the actual process of printing by selecting Print with Preview from the File menu. The first thing you want to do here is set the target paper size and orientation. That is, if you're printing to say A3 plus paper size with the landscape orientation, you'll need to click on the Paper Settings button to make these selections. Having done this, you can now see what percentage the image will be printed on uh, the paper at, at any particular, you know, for the size of your paper. As I always shoot in RAW, I set my RAW work workflow software to output images at 240 dpi, which is just about the exact size I need to fill an A3 plus page at 100%. If you use an 8 megapixel camera, you might want to output at 180 dpi if you predominantly print to A3 plus paper. If you print to A4, though, uh, a higher dpi will still fill the paper. This is pretty much relative, though, and Photoshop and your printer will adjust this as necessary uh, and just using as many pixels, pixels as available. Remember that you are not actually increasing the image size by selecting a higher resolution. The width of the image in pixels remains the same. There have been many controversial uh, conversations on this across the web, I'm sure. Uh, but basically, I find that if you have a sharp image to start with, even from a 3 megapixel camera, you will get an acceptably sharp print at A3+. This It will at least be perfectly suitable for viewing from, say, three feet away uh, while hanging on the wall uh, behind glass. I think ideally, though, for A3+, plus, uh, that, that's the, the 13 by 19 inch prints, a 6 megapixel camera or larger is definitely going to be better. So be sure to click the More Options button on the right, uh, and then below there will be a pull-down that contains both output and colour management. Select the colour management and leave the print option set to document and the Adobe RGB profile will be displayed if that's the colour space that you used. Below you will see also a section called options. Select the colour handling pull-down and make sure that Photoshop is selected to actually do the colour handling and not your printer. The next pull-down is where you select the printer profile. This is where you select the profiles that you uh, either had pre-installed with your printer drivers or those that you added, that maybe you had created or you downloaded for use with other papers. Now, for the next option, rendering intent, I always select perceptual. 
as I find this to be the best option for photographs. But this might be somewhat down to personal preference. You could try other options and see how you like them. I always uh, also turn on the black point compensation. So you can either modify your printer settings now from this screen or go or click OK and move further into the process and then print, select the printer settings as you proceed. And you'll want to select the type of paper uh, that you're going to print to and then also go into the advanced settings and turn off high-speed printing. This will increase the quality of your output image. Also ensure that you select no color adjustment to make sure that the printer, the printer's driver doesn't mess around with the output as you've already told Photoshop exactly how you want to do this. Once you've made your settings here, it will save you time from you know, remembering these things again in the future if you save them with a meaningful name. I usually include the name of the paper here so that I can find it easily when printing from the same paper in future. I then really don't have to even open these dialogues again. I just select the preset and press OK. Now, as long as your monitor was calibrated correctly and you chose the right profile for the paper you output to, your print should be very close to what you saw on the screen. One thing to note is that many papers need anything from 1 hour to 24 hours to fully dry, and until that time has elapsed, you may find that images look substantially darker than the image on your monitor. In that case, don't worry for now, Wait until the time has elapsed and then recheck the print. On occasion, I do have to brighten the image just for printing uh, because it just doesn't brighten up after, after the paper has dried. If you do need to do this, I suggest performing this on a copy uh, so that you, you, know, you can save the specific changes for printing, as I mentioned earlier. And you, know, you obviously don't want to overwrite your original image. And that's it. Hopefully this has been useful. Again, this is really just my way of doing things. If you do, do find anything useful, drop it into your workflow. Before we close, just a few pieces of housekeeping. First, Phil from Pennsylvania, USA, uh, the screen name Damax, in my forum, that is, recently pointed out to me that there is now a customer review system in iTunes to allow you to write reviews against podcasts. If you have any comments about the MBP podcast and would like to support the show, please go along and find the podcast under Photography in the Art and Entertainment section in iTunes. Uh, once you find the Martin Bailey Photography podcast in the list, click the little circle with the arrow in the uh, to the right of the title, uh, and then a section will open at the top of the window and the customer reviews link should be visible below the square image uh, for the podcast. At least it says customer reviews in Japanese. If it says something else uh, in the English version, then please let me know. And also, I finally got around to updating the forum and gallery software for my website, and we'll be taking the site offline for just a little while uh, to update the live version. This will not affect the podcast feed or the downloads. It will mean that you will not be able to browse the forum and gallery for probably 30 minutes to an hour or so during the upgrade. 
I'm sorry for the inconvenience that this will cause, but if you should visit the site and find it inactive, uh, please come back in an hour or so. And if all's gone well, uh, everything should be back online. Also, I haven't said this for a while, but remember that if you do have any feedback or ideas on this podcast, you can also contact me via email or private message from the forum if you're a member, or better still, just post it straight into the forum. If you don't want to register, which is, by the way, of course, totally free, uh, it just takes a few moments too, but if you don't want to register, you can mail me from the contact form on the podcast page too. So that's it for this week. Have a great week and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Bye-bye. This has been a Martin Bailey Photography Podcast.